Welcome to Decoding Superhuman. This show is a deep dive into obsessions with health, performance, and how to elevate the human experience. I explore the latest tools, science, and technology with experts in various fields of human optimization. This is your host, Boomer Anderson. Enjoy the journey. My man, good to catch up with you as always. As always. Yeah. How's everything flowing? You're moving soon. Um, I want to believe I am. <laughs> <laughs> you can never know here in the in the holy land, in the holy land, which is full of restrictions right now. Yeah, uh, including your mailing service. So. Right. Lo- Got to love that mailing service. Mm-hmm. My... My passport, whoever is flying with my passport right now, if you hear that, shout outs to you. Shout outs to DHL. Um, they're not sponsoring this episode, mm. but shout outs to all of you. I wouldn't mind a referral, you know, an affiliate <laughs> arrangement with DHL. <laughs> I use them, I use them quite a bit this year. So they do not talk any, any, um, any English in the German, in the, in the German DHL. So, if you want to communicate them, you got to have a translator. That's what mm. I learned in the past week. Yeah, it's uh, similar here in the Netherlands. So it's uh, it's always fun when you get a massive VAT bill and they can't really explain to you where it came from. <laughs> so right. Right. you're like, yeah, it's just fifty percent of the purchase price, and you're yeah. like, okay, that makes no sense considering yeah. VAT is twenty. So mm. anyway, rocking along. Rocking along, we've uh, we've been we've been jamming quite a lot in the past two days, mm-hmm. and you've been jamming quite a lot in this last quarter. What's what's your jam been like in the last quarter? Uh, a great way to get started. And how long do we have? You know, we'll try and keep this one a little bit shorter than a typical episode. But um, it, it's funny because we were talking a little bit about Greg McEwen and that whole book, Essentialism, and for me. And I probably said this the quarter before, but like just trying to boil things down to what is essential has been this amazing, elaborate, difficult process for for a number of reasons. Like I've always been a yes person. I've always been focused on, you know, trying to deliver the best, et cetera. And those two actually don't mix well together. So when I'm looking at how to improve the quality of the work that I deliver in the world and just being able to actually move um, move the needle on health, which is sort of what I'm focused on. Um, you know, boiling things down to what is essential every day is very, very, uh, has become just sort of the tantamount thing. Like, okay, what is the number one priority? It's what I ask myself every morning. And for me, that's predominantly thinking around strategy for, Um, Smarter, Not Harder, which is the parent company of transcriptions, right? And so, you know, trying to make sure that everything else, uh, with the exception of this podcast, really, and my clients is is sort of pushed, or at least my input is minimized to a certain extent. So it's been... A hell of a quarter, man. You know, spending two weeks in Spain, learning a whole new sport, uh, just experimenting with a whole, you know, a lot of stuff in the research and development side of things. And yeah, things have been beautiful. But I'm not moving to Bali anytime soon, unlike somebody I know. So um, Looks like so am I, my friend. <laughs> but <laughs> shout, shout outs to DHL again. This uh, this episode is not sponsored. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this episode um, is sponsored by FedEx. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Um, what's what's that new sport you were you were talking about? We were yeah. talking about. Yeah. So we, you and I were. What's funny is like you're you're in Israel right now, right? And um, I spent two weeks in Mallorca and for a long time have been investigating this whole world of free diving. Maybe initially it was just sort of 
okay, it's very interesting to see people hold their breath. And for a while, I was very interested in just the breath technique of apnea breathing, which is kind of the breathe up that leads to going underwater, uh, particularly in freediving. And so when we went down to Mallorca for two weeks, I made sure that we had time to go freediving. And one of the places that we were staying in, I think it's, I don't know if it's Palenza or whatever the name was, but um, hired an instructor because I didn't want to die. And when freediving, I got to say, I'm a person who has a history uh, of competitive sports and competitive careers. And I, I, up until this point, have largely driven my life on competition and sort of being number one on the scoreboard. Freediving was very interesting. And I'm curious as to your experience with it as well, because when I tried to be the number one on the scoreboard, meaning go down the deepest and hold my breath for the longest, was when I nearly burst my left eardrum. But freediving itself, when you follow the breath work, go down slower, equalize properly. Make sure that you're relaxing. You're not staring at the bottom of the ocean. You can actually go quite deep and it is quite a meditative process. So in some ways I've fallen in love with this thing because we're all in this journey to calm our mind, which is kind of a myth in itself. Uh, But it's, it's such a peaceful sport in the sense that you have to be focused on what you're doing. It's the only thing that you're doing and everything that you're doing in the lead up to the dive is meant to relax you, meant to slow your heart rate, meant to be able to store up oxygen for that dive. So, you know, I've, we went for two days and, you know, we're only talking like on the second day depths of 30 meters, but hell, I love this shit. It's just so much fun. And I know you've been doing a little bit of it yourself. 30 meters deep is a lot. So, you know, for two days. Yeah, um, well, I, I have no perspective here, right? Other than if you Google world record in free diving, it's probably more like 150 plus. So I'm just well, like, okay. Yeah. But that comes back to, to the competitiveness yeah. of it. Absolutely. Uh, which is, again, like, I don't know. If you, if you, I, if I, I look at a new sport, I don't look to, to break the world record. I just try to become a better me. Yeah. But, uh, with that said, I feel like the lead up to a free dive is kind of, it really represents to me, it, it can be metaphorically like your day. You know, yeah. if you're not breathing into your day, if you're not ready for your day or for your week or for whatever that comes, you're going to be in chaos. Yeah, And that's what, what that's what it feels like when you don't have enough air in your lungs. And you're starting to get anxiety inside the water. Yep. First of all, it's dangerous. Yep. So you got to calm down. But second, secondly, it's just it's just unsuccessful. Yeah. So, so you start yeah. getting convulsions in your diaphragm way too early, right. and it's just right. And it's not. It's not only that. It's the mind. It's not fun anymore. It's just that. And yeah. and the fact is, I feel like when we do sports when we work out when we expose ourselves to the sun when we do whatever we do it's hard again it's easier said than done but you know you gotta you, you gotta be so present and and when you when you free dive it's literally your life on the line because yeah if if you you get down to 30 meters and you you start panicking you are definitely screwed like yeah. you're not and yeah and it's and when it's a life and death situation like that then you kind of have to stay grounded in in the moment. Even if you feel like you don't have any more breath, you gotta uh, push forward a little bit more, mm-hmm. and push yourself a little bit more. So that's yeah. what it's like for me. Freediving is the second you let go, there's such a sense of peace and flow. Yeah, that cannot I I could not find it in anything else. Um, this. This week we had, um, I, I told you this story, but me and a friend were just going, um, going into, into the depth, like not, not very deep, but going as far as we could kind of. 
one would go the farthest the farthest they can and they would be like the you know they would be the the mark for the other one mm-hmm. for the other person to go we started at the same spot and then my friend went something like 15 20 meters uh, mm-hmm. uh, to from me and I just went below and I felt this insane sense of flow in which yeah. I just passed her and I just kept on going and kept on going and kept on going and it was just it felt so transcended I, I came out of the water and I was like what is this this yeah is crazy. it's incredible right so uh, and if you look at just a good free diver or even the couple of what I would call quote unquote good dives that I had um it almost seems effortless, right? And so you go into the water with such a state of relaxation, your heart rate's really, really low and either you're pulling yourself down or you're doing the constant kick down or whatever technique you're using. And you get to this point where you have like the negative buoyancy and it's just a beautiful thing to watch. And it's even more beautiful to experience. Like you have mm-hmm. a, if you have a technically sound dive, you're like pretty relaxed when you get down there and you're like, holy shit, I'm down at 30 meters, which is 98 feet. And yeah. you're just sitting there and you're like, ah, I could probably hold my breath here for another minute. Now, of course, on that particular dive, I smacked my head on the fucking weight, but like <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, so the line has a weight at the end of it. And I just happened to turn around and knock my, I thought I, I hit myself hard enough to start bleeding. So I went up, but it was, um, you know, it, anyways, so free diving is such a good experience. I want to, let, let's talk about routines because this is funny. Like when you mentioned free diving, it's sort of as a setup of your day and just kind of the idea that if you don't plan, et cetera, you're, you're going to fail and not only plan, just like start yourself. Yeah. And, and there is, a lot of of merit to that in terms of uh, starting yourself with starting and finishing with quality, right? Right. Um, Billy Kidd, who is a guy who I've actually had an experience of skiing with. He's an Olympic skier and my parents used to take us to Steamboat Springs, Colorado growing up and we Mm. um, had a chance to ski with him once or twice. And he was always obsessed with like the last three turns, which are the ones that people just fuck around with, right? They just kind of don't really care, but he was always obsessed with the last three turns because you end with quality. Anyways, uh, let's get back to morning routines. So one of the things that I've been experimenting with with morning routines this kind of past couple of weeks even was the idea of putzing. And this, look, I stole it right out of Jeff Bezos's playbook. And he, he is famous for saying that he doesn't start anything before 10 a.m. And he loves the experience of putzing and he uses the time with his kids and, you know, kind of reads things, but he doesn't have a really structured um, morning in that sense. And so what I've been playing around with lately is this, not just putzing, because I wouldn't necessarily label it that, but it's, okay, I have a handful of things that I want to accomplish before 10 and ideally 11 a.m. But if you look at my calendar, I almost never schedule anything. By the way, Roy, if you ever try to schedule something before 10 a.m., Amsterdam time's just not going to work. But like I just don't schedule anything before 10 a.m. Now, Mm -hmm. that part I did steal from Bezos, but what am I doing in that time? Uh, For me, it's a time to, to learn, right? So if you look at energy of activation, learning energy of activation being like how much energy, how much physical exertion does it take you to do something? Uh, learning something new for most people is among the highest, right? In terms of it, it, it's actually taxing. It's mentally taxing to learn right. new things. And so for me, I try to stack all of the th- stuff that I'm trying to learn in a particular day, in that sort of pre-10 a.m. slot. Yeah. Now, that right now looks a lot like uh, combinations of 
game theory and esoteric probability and statistics, but it's it's a good time for me because I'll settle in with my coffee. I haven't really eaten anything yet. My brain is on fire and I just really get to, to rip through a lot of, a lot of really good quality material. Mm-hmm. And the idea is to do it without interruption. Now I'm trying to balance this and I'll, I'll admit where I struggle. I'm trying to balance this with the fact that the team that I predominantly work with is in California. And so the times that we get to talk are in the morning and the night. And so where I'm now learning is that in the morning, I'll get the download and then kind of prioritize sort of what the rest of the day looks like past 10 a.m. But I won't necessarily begin those things until after 10 a.m., sometimes even afternoon, because I have the luxury of when the team's asleep, I have a lot of time to myself to work on these things. So in that pre-10 a.m. slot, I've more or less built in sort of, built in, that's a great word, built this like things I need to accomplish in terms of, you know, learning something new, uh, a little bit of exercise, meditation, getting out in nature if the weather isn't shit here in Amsterdam, which lately it is. Um, and, you know, really just taking that time for me and making sure that I stay offline. And so I found, I've actually found freedom in less structure. Believe it or not, that is actually less structure for me. Mm. You know, it's just sort of a mishmash of stuff I need to accomplish in the morning rather than, you know, I wake up in the first 15 minutes I do X, the next 15 minutes I do Y, and then, you know, pretty soon I'm making coffee and I put 20 grams of coffee in this. So it's been, that's been freeing in a way because I, and I would encourage people to play with that because the idea of just sort of having some things to do, but in no particular order and just kind of going with the flow, it it, it appears to work well with me. Mm. There's a lot, a lot to be said about it. in in my opinion, there, there is even, even in, 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 in a diet perspective, uh, I always hear the uh, people saying people that I really admire and respect saying, always switch it up, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so don't have the, the exact same meal every morning because you want to train your system to kind of adapt and adjust. And, you know, and I feel like the, the, that morning phase is, is that place where you can play with it and kind of internalize and play with structure and not have that uh, uh, set, uh, these set things. I feel like there should be non, non-negotiables that have to get in there. Like for you, you know, it's meditation. I know you read in the morning as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I feel like it all, it all comes down to what you feel, you know? And if you're not feeling like you can dive into 40 meters now, so you'll stop in 30 and look yeah. up and, and just chill there, you know? And that's the whole thing with, and I feel like you can you can train yourself to do that when you eat, you know, mm-hmm. even when you're in the thick of your day and you're in that crazy like do 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 mode, and you have a meal in the middle of that, and you find yourself eating very fast, just like yeah. saying, "Wait, am I satisfied? Do I feel do I feel good? Do I need in the, do I need this this much to eat right now?" And all this kind of stuff. That's what it brought up. Um, that's what it brought up for me when, when you were saying all these things. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we talked about this at length with Josh, right? And I know you and Josh have had a chance to connect. Um, and so Josh is a big fan of present moment awareness, right? And and I think the key takeaway actually with, with free diving, with um, morning routines. And look, guys, I'm still working on this. Uh, you know, the idea of bringing awareness to those moments and just sitting, like sitting and doing one thing at a time. As a person who is a, who used to brag about being a really good multitasker, 
it is the hardest damn thing in the world to sit and do one thing at a time. But doing one meditation and not necessarily trying to stack a lot of stuff, doing, you know, studying one subject at one point in my morning, you know, when I eat, putting things away, focusing on eating and actually taking a break from work, it helps me bring, I mean, talk about the ultimate sort of like, weight loss cure, if you will. Um, yeah. Not that that is to be construed as medical advice, but you know, just bringing awareness to your chewing may actually help you experience leptin and feeling full. Right. Yeah. And it really, and there was another thing that you brought up about working remotely and having that um, crunch time yeah. uh, in the middle and that really brought up some things as a music producer, you know, and as an audio producer, producer, when I'm not sure that I'm uh, doing something well enough or I don't see something, um, I usually put it aside mm-hmm. for a few hours or a day. And then the next day, I always approach it back with way more clarity because, you know, you've you've had it cook in your brain and then... If you don't let it, if you don't let it rest, it can't, it can't soak the, the, it can't soak the, the taste, you know? Yeah. Um, and you may, it, it allows you to just sort of come back and look at it another way. So let's, let's expand upon that, right? So um, when we're talking about what Roy just mentioned, which is producing music and not really unsure, or you're unsure of how it's going to land or finish or anything like that. Uh, it's something that everybody experiences across really any profession. You're not right. sure how that financial model is going to end up. You're not sure how uh, the speech is going to end up. And, you know, taking a break from it and you kind of look at a lot of these creative people and a lot of, you you try and glean insights from it. And I'm fortunate enough that I live with a creative Mm -hmm. and, you know, the idea of taking breaks and just coming back to it with a fresh set of eyes, getting in a night's sleep, uh, iterating on it is, is something that I brought definitely into my life, at least within the past couple of years. But more and more recently is, okay, I'm a big believer in iterating in threes, or at least this is, has sort of quelled my perfectionism, if you will. So the first thing that you do is you get, you kind of get it done to finish it. The next thing you do is you make it a little bit better. And then the third thing you do is you perfect it, right? And so in each iteration, it gets gradually better and better, but I'm not doing those iterations back to back. And as an entrepreneur, like being a fucking perfectionist is just a way to stress yourself the fuck out. So grueling. uh, Yeah. And so David Hannemeyer Hansen, who I think he wrote Ruby on Rails code or created it, uh, has an interesting personality, but I, again, am a a great borrower of other people's ideas. And one of the things that he said was that iterate in threes process. And that's allowed me to sort of disconnect with the, this needs to be perfect the first time I do it mentality that I've had my entire life. Iteration freeze process, you said? So it's a it's a three iteration process. Oh, oh, and what I, what I mean there is first thing you do is you just get it done. And right. this has worked really well when I do sit down to write. Like right. you just write. It may be garbage. That's mm. okay. Um, but you get it out there, done. And then you come back to it with a fresh set of eyes and editing is always more fun than writing itself, or at least for me. Um, And then you edit it and that's sort of your version two. And then version three is the one that you actually perfect. Yeah. I can highly resonate with that. Again, it's uh, making, uh, making art and making music especially. You can be so immersed in the process and then... You go ahead and let it go, and in the evening, you listen to it, and you say, oh, that is crap, you know, and just mm-hmm. let it go, and, it, and it's okay, and that's, that's the beauty of it. And one thing I want to touch is play. Yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, in these times especially, it's, it's, we all get way more 
we are prone to get way more serious about things. You know, the world is yeah. in a crazy pandemic and wh whatnot. So how do you incorporate play? All right, let's interrupt our jam session between Roy Matz, editor extraordinaire, pal, friend, amigo, and myself to talk about digestion. As you get older, there are things called digestive enzymes which begin to deplete in your body. Yes, you should test the levels of those and you should know exactly what those levels are. But if you need them, you want to replace them. And so what's in my cabinet when it comes to replacing digestive enzymes? It's the products from Bioptimizers. Wade Lightheart has been on the show before. He's become quite a good friend and I just love their products. So let me tell you what I use. I use Masszymes on a daily basis. I use HCL Breakthrough when needed. I use their Parasite Cleanse once a quarter. I use their Probiotic and I use Gluten Guardian when I go to a restaurant and I'm not sure what's in the food. Wow, I must be a fan. And so if you want to try this, head on over to bioptimizers.com. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash boomer. And right now they're running a special on something called upgraded digestion, where you're going to get masszymes, the probiotic P3OM, gluten guardian, and HCL breakthrough for a super, super discount. Head on over to bioptimizers.com slash boomer and grab yours right now. Let's get back to the gym session. Man, uh, such a good question. Because the idea of play <laughs> to me before was like, what the fuck? Like, I'm not second grade anymore. Like, play? Who does play? Um, but it, it is so important. And, you know, Daryl Edwards, who's been on the show, is a big advocate of the idea of playing. Uh, he does it predominantly through movement. I try to structure it in various aspects of my mm. life. So playing with learning, meaning I'm going to read a book that I just want to read for the sake of reading. Uh, right now, that tends to move into sort of like the the ancient texts, things like the Vedas, et cetera, which are very, very difficult to read, but it's just kind of fun for me to read books that are thousands of years old. Um in movement is where I've found most of my play as well, because if you think about this whole world that we live in, and I'm just going to extrapolate sort of the scene around me yeah. for people, right? Like we're working from home. My fiance and I live in a, a reasonably small apartment in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the weather is iffy at best. And so getting outside all the time is a little bit difficult. Um, you have the potential in, as an entrepreneur, uh, but also just anybody right now has the potential to overload themselves with meetings, to overload themselves with uh, deliverables and to just work all the time. Right. Uh, there's no real separation right. between this whole work and life anymore. In mm. fact, that whole wall just got fucking obliterated uh, mm. by, by COVID. And so rather than having work-life balance, we have work-life integration. And one of the ways that I ensure that I'm not going to go nuts or uh, have an oxytocin deficiency over the course of this, this pandemic is by incorporating that element of play. I mean, I may, may not have labeled it, that way, but um, it definitely is. And so my workouts, although they're physically demanding, are all just sort of, or at least a few times a week, construct around the idea of here, I've got all of these tools around me. Let's construct something fun. Let's just go out and throw a sandbag around. This mm. morning I took, and I guess some people wouldn't call this fun. This morning, I took a 50-kilo sandbag, and I just went for a walk. And I was carrying a 50-kilo sandbag, and I just kind of walked around the block. People look at you like you're freaking nuts, but like that stuff is fun for me. And so incorporating fun or play, using a different word, in different aspects of my life has been just so, so useful. I mean, you've, you've seen me at my most stressed. You've seen me at my most relaxed. I'm probably near as relaxed as I've ever been. And it's predominantly due to recognizing the value, the value of uh, working smarter, not harder to steal the company's name that I actually work for. So, mm. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. So, so again, like so many things to unpack here, 
So first of all, sandbag, do you carry it on your front side or, or on your back? How do you carry it? Yeah, sure. So uh, I am a big user of multiple modalities of exercise. Ever since I've left CrossFit, um, one of the things that I've valued from that experience was the idea of being you know, a generalist in fitness. So doing whether it's, you know, using the Carol bike here, using the B-Strong Bands X3 bar, all of those things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or just, you know, having fun with the toys that I have. One of the things that I have here, because gyms closed down, I was not able to buy a, a barbell in time. All of the barbells in the Netherlands apparently show, sold out when, when I went to buy them. And so I was kind of looking for a way to just lift weights because buying sets and sets of dumbbells was wasn't available, barbell wasn't available, and like kettlebells were in limit limited quantity, but I could find sandbags. And so I got some sandbags and you can do a lot of functional training with sandbags. In fact, Julian Pinot, who eventually will come on this podcast, is a, a huge advocate of mm. sandbags. And so what am I doing with those? Those are sometimes sandbag walks, they're presses, they're whatever. And so when I'm walking with it, it's actually like a bear hug, right? So if you can picture holding something that's 50 kilos out in front of you and just hugging it and going for a walk. If you've Um, ever seen the Strongest Man competition. Yeah, something like that, right? And so if you think of... Actually, sandbags are a perfect example of strongman exercise. And if you look at the the one modality of exercise that I probably have not been exposed to in my life was strongman. And so in a way, COVID, this whole lockdown experience has been um, very beneficial to me in terms of experience, getting to play around with strongman exercise. I just hope um, that DHL aren't hearing this and just walking with my, with my passport like a sandbag. Um, anyway, <laughs> they, walking from Berlin shout all the way to yeah to Israel. Shout and out you'll to get DHL. It. Shout outs to DHL, sponsored by FedEx. <laughs> <laughs> um, totally. So I love that, and I can really take that and say that I've been I've been uh, blessed with a backyard here. Yeah, my folks' place, and the way that I play. I know that you didn't ask, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> the way the way I approach my play, thank you for asking, is um, actually there's a cat, um, a cat that we took from the street, and oh, yeah? and she's just hanging around all the time. She's in my backyard, and I wake up and I usually do my breathing and what whatnot, but then I go out. And okay, what type of breathing, man? You're on you're on a oh, show about health. Wim Hof. Wanna, okay, cool. Wim Hof, three rounds. Um, then I might crank in a meditation. Depends on how I feel. I have a little um, notebook in which I scribbled some some notes that I wanna of things that I wanna accomplish. So I yeah. read it out loud. Um, sometimes, sometimes not. It just really depends how I feel and what my intention is. And then I get out and I move and I do all these animal walks and I do all these bridges and all these, just like letting my body know that, that it's, it's time to play. It's time for the day. It's time to, to stretch and feel where I'm at. Um, and sometimes when the cat comes, she's, she's, um, she's all, she's really, uh, she comes close and then we, we kind of play a little bit and I pet her and we're, we're, we're very dynamic with each other. So I feel like incorporating that in my day is, was very, very instrumental. And also she keeps, you know, it keeps me company and it's really. Yeah. You get that boost of oxytocin. Right, right, right. Uh, And she gets that boost of getting pets. So I don't know what what it's like for her. I don't know what what she's saying to the interviewer who's interviewing her right now. But um, yeah, (laughs) but yeah, incorporating that, you know. And it really, I feel like it, it it creates effortlessness in a lot of things to come after that. It's yeah. just like um, meditating before getting into surf for me is it's like day and night. If I go in with a meditation before and like really mindful stretches before I enter the surf, my surfing looks 
different completely and feels different. And it helps you, it helps you kind of trend, not transcend, um, transcend, accelerate the flow, transcend, accelerate the, or accelerate the flow state too. Yeah. But because, yeah, that's awesome, man. Definitely. It's, yeah, it's, it is everything. Like the, the way you prepare, you prepare yourself for that surf is everything. So it's same with, with uh, uh, free diving. It's the same with, with being a professional at what you do. It's just mm-hmm. being able to, to, to deliver on a day-to-day basis always requires yeah. you to, to do new things. And, and the thing that you were saying about learning new things, I think that we need to hammer that. And, and I think that we need to hammer that a bit deeper because that's so important, you know, to always be learning. Uh, there are researches. I'm not. I'm not going to specify, and you can. Everybody who's listened can look. But when you learn, your I think it's white matter that just grows in your brain. Yeah. And yeah. And, and then it enables you to be that. Yeah. Exactly. And, and look, uh, you've probably seen it. Um, if you haven't. Just you're gonna probably want to watch this this weekend, but like uh, Shawshank Redemption, right? Get busy living or get busy dying. Uh, you can alter those world words to be like get busy learning or get busy dying, and uh, you know, depending on who you talk to, where it, unless you're kind of a a holder of the flat world hypothesis, where in this very innovative time, right? And so the idea of sitting around stagnant and not learning something equates to death. And so if DV over DT is your your slope in terms of innovation, um, right now, innovation is accelerating. So that derivative is accelerating. And in order to just keep up, people like you and I, we just need to be consuming much more information to stay at the top of our games. Yes. Uh, and so that, I would be curious, Roy, actually, how how are you viewing that? Like, how are you sourcing your information and allocating time in order to learn? So that's my morning. Like, uh, right now I'm learning about green investing because I want to, uh, I've been, that's yeah. A, that's in my wheelhouse. We can chat about that another time. Oh, yeah. Uh, is it ESG? I just learned today. Um, Mm. but it's just, I've been, I've been starting to invest in the stock market lately and I've been very interested in what, you know, I, I want to invest, but I don't want my investments to be all in, in energy companies. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, it doesn't align with my values. Also after watching the documentary about Dave Edinburgh and, and kiss the ground and all these things that. Yeah. yeah, and and the documentary about Greenpeace is amazing. By the way, we're gonna yep. talk about Netflix. I want you to tell me your your favorites lately, but okay. um, but there are really really powerful documentaries right now that really made me wanna uh, live my life a bit different, a bit differently, and you know, uh, not hurt the ocean and be way more sustainable about myself. So sorry, I went on a tangent there, but my mornings are. Always, um, there's a part in my morning in which I'll grab a cup of coffee. Um, that's before I eat. It's usually around twelve o'clock, something like that. Uh, I would I, I grab uh, I grab myself a coffee. I turn YouTube the 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 YouTube's on, mm-hmm. and I just learn about either investing or oh. movement or one of these things that really contribute to me as a person. I've been uh, dabbling with handstands lately. That's something I've been working on. Are you turning yourself into Ido Portal? It's just like, oh man, you know. I wish he's just, yeah, he, he's amazing. He's crazy. But so uh, yeah, you brought up you brought up Edinburgh. You brought up um, what else? You, you brought up Kiss the Ground, right? Uh, both very good documentaries that people should all check out. In fact, I'm, I'm on my zone two training, which is just uh, bicycling for. 30 or 45 minutes around 120 to 130 beats per minute. Yeah. Um, I'm watching a lot of documentaries and I found it a great way to just consume information. But um, other than those two, what sort of, what's been like your favorite documentary of the past couple of months? Ooh. Um, so the, the Dave Attenborough, I think is the, is the cream of the crop. It's, it's the cream of the crop, but I think kiss the ground is more, um, it it made me want to take more initiative 
w- with mm-hmm. that said, they're both like watching back to back and it's so practical. Like you can learn what you can do um, in just like now to improve yourself. Um, yeah. So I would really highly recommend watching back to back. If you want to watch the the one about uh, Greenpeace, which is just it's just show you in a very visceral way, uh, uh, in a very it shows you in a very lively way what's with the revolution that's been happening around the world, uh, around mainly whaling, but how how uh, people have been working to to save the planet and how you might be able to to feel inclined to help them. So yeah, yeah, dope. Um, now you're the one not asking me the question, so I'm going to jump on and say, you know, let's talk about documentaries. Uh, all right, so. I did say I will ask you, so. You did? Okay, okay. I'll give you- I planted the seed. I planted the seed. Yeah, Inception, you win. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So uh, on on the documentary front, look, I I think there's some classics. Like minimalism is interesting to me. I'm not saying I'm a minimalist, but I think there's some some good takeaways there. I am- um, yeah, I know. I got to watch it. Uh, er, well, I have watched the documentary. There's some good takeaways oh, yeah. there in terms of, frankly, when I look at things that don't necessarily matter that much to me, like fashion, you know, minimalist approach seems to work pretty well. Um, and then let's see the other documentaries. There's this documentary called, I think it's called The Business of Drugs. And one of the reasons why I've been focused on this is because of... Um, two particular almost epidemic, yeah, epidemics is the right word, in the United States, uh, the opiate epidemic and the benzodiazepine uh, epidemic. And so people that are addicted to pain medications and um, and anxiety medica- medications. And there's also another uh, documentary about Kratom, which I found interesting, and I'll link to this all in the show notes. But... Um, you know, the business of drugs kind of outlines sort of how opiates trend goes into heroin. Uh, and so opiate use becomes too expensive, then people switch to heroin. And once you inject yourself, you're kind of done. And so looking at those as sort of very fundamental problems, because people experience pain, right? And pain is a very, very real thing. And so how do you address those problems is are, are questions that I'm asking myself, right? Like, how do you address those problems? Are there alternatives out there? And I'm hoping that there's an opportunity certainly around that um, to, to improve the conditions of certain people's lives. The other one, benzodiazepines, just because, you know, anxiety is something that I've experienced almost my entire life, um, not ever having used any of those benzos is something that I'm looking at too. And I think we can look to some common herbs that have been used in the past uh, for resolutions there. The other documentary that I recommend to people is a current one. Not that I think it taught me anything that I didn't already know, The Social Dilemma, but it was pretty important for me in terms of just outlining to the masses like, hey, what you see on Instagram and TikTok may not be representative of the entire person's life. And so people need to realize that what you see on Instagram is probably a very jaded view of somebody's life. And so uh, you see younger people who are have developing brains that don't necessarily know this yet. And as a result, it can have effects on behavior, um, but also emotion. And so mm-hmm. I would encourage people to check that out. It's a very well done documentary. Do I think I, I learned a ton in terms of the neuroscience aspect of it? Not necessarily, but do I think it helps bring some areas to the surface and again, offers opportunities for people around how to make uh, solutions which are more convenient than the current one. So all of this, all of these problems that I've just outlined, whether it be pain, anxiety, or social media addiction, um, the resolution to me is going to be in finding something that's more convenient than all three of these that is cheaper and both better for people. So um, challenge thrown out to the vast ether that is listening to this podcast right now. What is the challenge? Outline it. 
Okay. So the challenge here is you have several epidemics and potential ones. Um, We know that social media can have a negative effect on people's moods. Part of it is what I just outlined that, you know, you're looking at your Instagram feed and everybody's life is perfect and you may be going through some shit. And what is the solution to social media addiction? And how do you create one that's convenient? So more convenient than social media is right now and actually serves to grow the health of the planet. Mm. That, that, that's a challenge. Mm. Uh, the other ones are around opiate addiction and benzo addiction, which is something that's a little bit more complex. But if people are willing to talk about that, please just, just throw an email on my way. I want to talk about that stuff with people. Right. Boomer will talk to you about these things. So take him on it. Um, what did I want to... Uh, there was something uh, that came up when you were when you were talking about these um yeah a lot of a lot of time lapses on the beach uh these days a lot of yeah. time lapses people doing yoga mm. showing amazing lives um bahamas hashtag hashtag <laughs> um, uh, you gotta li- you gotta move to bermuda if you guys want to feel miserable just go ahead and look time lapses yeah and people yeah are- exactly right um And maybe there's, look, I've come to look at social media as a tool in terms of it helps me disseminate a message, but also allows me to collaborate with people. Uh, Actually, you and I met through social media, right? So uh, without social media, this wouldn't be. Yeah, (laughs) 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 I thought I thought we were on what was the uh, what's Bumble or something like that. Yeah. All right, Roy, we got to wrap this thing up because I'm gonna have to hop on a call with potential podcast guests, which I am so excited to talk about later. But um, hell yeah, we're gonna wrap this up. What's your favorite book of the past three months? Um, I've actually read it for the first time. Super basic. The Seven Laws, uh, Seven Spiritual Laws for Success by Deepak Chopra. I think it's a very, very powerful book if you know what to take from it. Um, I've never looked at things the way, I feel like the way that I look at things right now is really, uh, this book is really powerful for me right now. And this book talks a lot about current things that might go wrong in your world. Just like looking outside of your uh, um, of your place, you know, just uh, all these um, all these, I guess, behaviors that we are engaged in right now as a species. So I would yeah. really highly recommend that. The Four Agreements is always amazing. The power of uh, yeah. the mastery of the mastery of love is something I think that you, Boomer, would love. It's a book that I absolutely okay. recommend. And yeah, what's 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 a few that you've been at? Okay, so uh, probably the top choice just because it's something I read from every day is called The Art of Thinking Clearly. And Ooh. it's just essentially a, a book of cognitive biases. And I tend to read one a day. And it's just one or two pages on each bias. And it just allows me to check my thinking, especially when we're coming around election time and all this shit that people just become so one-sided. It's nice to know um, what is influencing your thinking and how this tends to play out in your brain. The other one on the decision-making side of things is Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Mm. Uh, He won the Nobel Prize and I'm going through that right now. And I think those are the two that I would point out um, in terms of business books and an audio book that's worth listening to, How to Lead, which is an amalgamation of interviews by David Rubenstein, who's the chairman of Carlyle Group. But he interviews people like Bill Gates, Bezos, and a few others. Um, and the audio book is the one you want to get just because it's live interviews. How to you Lead. Get to hear it. Nice. How to lead. And I mean, he even has like Ruth Bader Ginsburg in there too, which, you know, rest in peace. Fortunately, she went too soon, but it's, um, it's an, it's a very good book. All right, Roy, we got to sign off, man, because I got to go jump on this other one, but my friend, always a pleasure. The next time we do this, you may be in the tropics and I'm going to have to come and visit you. Touch wood, touch wood. If, if DHL uh, delivers and, and gives me back the love that I give to it. 
uh, in the podcast. If not, and, maybe know. we'll uh, we'll get some donations from well, FedEx well, after. Yeah, how many we'll get. We mention them. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Everything will be cool. It's been a very, I've been very fortunate to learn a lot uh, in these past uh, weeks and. And learning from you, man. Always learning from you. You're one of my favorites. Uh, you, you too, brother. And you've got a podcast coming out. Tell people about it. Oh, uh, Grindful Podcast. To, Beautiful. To all the, the grinders out there. To all the people. Who, we got a few of those entrepreneurs that are listening, right? So Right, um, right. You, so it's going to be, uh, it should be up in a few days. Uh, the first podcast is coming up. And I'm just going to be going through all these people and through people like Boomer. Boomer is going to be there as well. So like there's stories and the really depth of their mindset. So I'm going to try to decode these for you. Uh, yeah. And that's… And, and I just remember talking to you, man. And, and whenever we do talk, we go pretty deep. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you produce in the world. <laughs> Bro, all right. Always a pleasure. Thank you for jamming. Same. um, Love you, brother. Love you too. Peace. Adios, amigos.